And it is good to welcome all of you today, whether you are live in the room or whether you are watching online or in the moon, in the a classic venue or on the Moon campus. Uh, good to be together. Today, we are going to be thinking about habits. Now, when you think about habits, the fact of the matter is you probably, you know, know that you've got a few, but you probably don't think that there are all that many, but you probably have more habits than what you think. I tried to do a little bit of an assessment or an inventory on myself, and I actually came up with more than I thought that I would probably be able to come up with. For instance, when I'm adjusting the volume on the television at home, I have to keep it to even numbers. And I understand that that's actually a big thing. How many of you are, it's got to be even numbers on the television? All right, that's lots of you. Now, I have an uh, even worse problem than that because my even numbers have to be divisible by four when I set them. I mean, 12, 16, 20, that's fine. But 10, 14, 18, no way. That just will not work. All right, that's, that's one of my habits. It just happens. I don't think about it. It just, it just happens. Or when I'm riding in the car and listening to a song, I just habitually or instinctively just start playing the melody of that song on my, with my hand on the center console or on my leg or something. Just, it just happens. I'm not sure completely why. I count the number of stairs as I'm going up and down stairs. I don't think about it, but I'm getting up to the top and all of a sudden I hear in my own head like 10, 11, 12. It just happens instinctively. It's, it's habit for me. Or if I have a pack of M&Ms, I dump them out and I sort them according to color. And I eat them according to the color I like the least first. And of course, so I start with brown, naturally, because who likes the brown M&Ms, right? All right, now, having heard this, I realize that you might want to get up and just leave right now while you can, right? But before you go, maybe we want to consider the fact that you've got some habits too. Like uh, some of you crack your fingers and toes in public. And we don't like it one bit, just in case, in case you're wondering about that. Some of you break off the edges of your Pop-Tarts because you don't want the extra calories. You just want the frosted part, and uh, you know who you are. Some of you refuse to dog-ear a book, to bend over a corner, and to file a page in the book to mark your place. And I totally understand that, all right, in case you're wondering. Some of you look in the back seat whenever you get in your car because you want to be sure that there's nobody back there who's going to strangle you when you start driving. Some of you know who you are, all right? And some of you say words phonetically in your head so that you can spell them. How many of you say in your head, Wednesday, right? Or Island, or Bologna, right? You do that. Of course, some of you just, you just sing the jingle. Because Oscar Mayer has a way with... All right, there you go. I like it. Apparently that was a pretty successful ad campaign one day back in the day. Well, the point is that we've all got habits. We all have them, and they kind of crop up. A lot of them aren't all that significant like some of the ones that we've been talking about, but sometimes in our lives there are habits that pop up. In fact, always in our lives there's some sort of habit that is actually impacting in a rather dramatic way who we are, how we live, where we're going. And so today we're going to talk about the idea of controlling habits. Controlling habits. Yes, the way that habits can control us, but also how do we live in such a way that we would control the habits that are present in our life. And it seems only fitting that we would be talking about this in our current sermon series, Future You, 
Because as we think about who it is that we're becoming, who it is that we're going to be one day, the fact is that who that person is going to be is being dramatically shaped by the habits that you have in your life today. The way that you're living, the places that you're going, the things that are present, the things that you repeatedly do, some of which you're not even really cognizant of the fact that you're doing or that they are habits, but they're influencing you. So as we think about who do we want the future you to be, we need to think about who is the present you in relationships to the habits that we have. Now, to get at this today, we're just going to ask three questions. And I think the answer to these three questions is going to set you up to become the future you, if you are intentional about this, to become the future you that is the best you that you can possibly be. A, a you that you will look back on and say thank you to your present self for what it is that you have done, the decisions that you have made, the habits that maybe you have intentionally incorporated or have gotten rid of. So three questions. First of those is, they're just there on your pathway notes. The first of those is, what is a habit? We're going to also ask, why are habits so powerful? And then also, final question, how do you develop healthy habits? So let's go ahead and get right into this. The first of those is this. What is a habit? All right, what is a habit? Now, all of us have a general sense of what a habit is. We know, we know what that's about. But uh, the Cambridge Dictionary actually gives us this definition. It says, a habit, something that you do often and regularly, sometimes without knowing that you are doing it. Often, regular, without knowing. Have you ever gotten to the end of a shower and you're about to turn off the water and you're like, did I wash my hair or not? You ever done that? Yes, you have, because it's habitual. It's something that happens. You don't even really think about it. Or if I were to ask you, do you brush your top teeth or your bottom teeth first? And you go inside, top, outside, outside, top, inside, or some other pattern. Chances are you don't know because you just do it habitually, but I bet you do it the same way every single time. That's how habits are. Or maybe more significantly, do you habitually type a text or email and then just hit send automatically? And off it goes, and sometimes it's the, the nasty email you wrote, wrote about your boss that you accidentally sent to your boss, right? You know what we're talking about? You just kind of type it out with your thumbs and then just send, and it's gone. And it's like, oh, I wasn't even really thinking about where that was going. And most of us have probably done that, maybe not to your boss, but in some context. Well, a guy named James Clear has written a book. It's called Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits, if you want to dig deeper, do a deep dive on this whole topic uh, from any of a number of different perspectives, you can certainly pick that up and you can read it. It's pretty interesting. But he says that neurologically speaking, habits are mental shortcuts learned from experiences. Mental shortcuts. And we take them naturally because they save us energy. They save us mental energy. And it just leads us to, into the decision that we're going to make without having to make the decision. In fact, Duke University did a study that showed that 40% of the things that you do in your day, you do by habit. 40%. That is a lot of your day just given over to habits. And if habits are things that we just do without thinking about it, we need to really consider what it is that we're doing. If there are things that we don't really notice, that it could be good, could be bad, that's a pretty powerful force in our life. And so it seems appropriate that we would at least occasionally stop and do some sort of inventory on what habits do we have. Because as you just sit here, you probably don't immediately think, well, I've got that habit and that habit and that habit, yet you're being controlled by them. 
So, so it's important that we would ask this question, what are they? Try to dig into what are the ones that are helping me move forward to the future you that I'd love to be, and what are the ones that might be a hindrance? And so we're going to try to get at that today. I have a habit of hurry, a habit of hurry. I tell myself that I hurry so that I can do more important things than whatever the mundane thing is, like driving from one place to another. But that caught me just the other day. I recognized it because I was hurrying to get somewhere, but I recognized I wasn't even going somewhere I needed to be in a hurry. I was just going somewhere. It wasn't all that important that I get there at a certain time but I was hurrying to get there. Why? Because it's a habit that I have to hurry to different places. And when I realized that, I recognized that I kind of had things backwards because here's, here's the thing. Habits need to serve you. You don't serve the habits. But that's not how it worked for me. I was serving the habit. So I was hurrying to get somewhere. It didn't matter where I was going. It was just hurry. This is a real thing. Unfortunately, sometimes we get it turned around. Now, the Bible is clear about developing behaviors or patterns, habits really, that become a natural part of who we are and shape our lives. The Apostle Paul tells us this, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. To clothe yourself means to put on. It means to drape yourself. It means to continually be enveloped or habitually enveloped with Jesus so that the other things, the things that aren't helping us get toward Jesus, might be essentially crowded out or pushed out of our lives. The Scriptures also tell us to meditate on God's Word. You know how? Day and night. That's habitual focusing in on God. And meditating. We're told to dwell on what is lovely, to rejoice always, to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances. And all of those things create habits, and all of them are fueled by habits as well. It all works together. Or one of the foundational passages we find in the Scriptures comes in the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy, and it tells us about how we ought to live, how we ought to engage with God, and how we ought to do so as a family as well. And here's what it says. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. What is on your heart drives behavior. And here's what it tells us to do with that or where to take it. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. Talk about them when you walk along the road. Talk about them when you lie down. Talk about them when you get up. Tie them as symbols around your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. He's telling the people that these things are habits for living, both for them and for their family. So go after it, press after it, impress them on your kids, talk about it, live it, do it, live it, breathe it, sleep it. All of this. Essentially saying, make these habits for how you engage day to day in your life. Often, regularly, without knowing. Remember, that goes back to our definition. Without even realizing, it just becomes a part of who we are. Now, there's no doubt that habits are a part of our lives. So, it naturally leads us into the second of these questions, and it is this, that why are habits so powerful? 
Why are habits so powerful? Now, the most basic answer to that question is because they shape our behavior and they lead us to repeat it over and over and over and over and over again. See, habits don't discriminate between good and bad. All that habits do are ensure that the things that we've established in our lives are going to be repeated over again and over again and over again. That's all habits are about. They're not discriminating in terms of what it is that they're causing to repeat. That's something that is in our spirit to establish and what we have. And I want you to try even now to be thinking about what are some of the habits that are present in my life that might be encouraging my move to Jesus and that might be standing in the way of my move to Jesus. In a rather graphic description of how this works in negative realms, Proverbs tells us this, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Now I understand that this is two weeks in a row that vomit has come up. I didn't mean that come up in that way, but uh, this two weeks in a row, and so I'll try to do better next week. I'll try not to, I, I, I don't want to say bring it up, I, but we're not going to do that again next week, okay? Um, but this is two weeks, but what it says is very important for us to understand here. The point is that there's an established pattern and it keeps repeating itself. Now, Jesus made the same point in less nauseating terms. He said it this way, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Practicing sin is just doing it over and over and over again. Practicing sin is doing it over and over and over again. And that's what you call a habit. And it puts you on a path that's moving predictably toward the future you. And the end of the verse here that we were just looking at says the future you, if you continue to practice sin, it's predictable. The future you is going to be, it says, a slave to sin. We can know that. This is why habits are so powerful, is because they can influence us in such a way. Another reason habits are powerful is because you don't typically know a habit is forming until it's formed until it's already there, until it's manifest itself in some big way. Hitting your snooze button on Monday morning just so you might get a little more sleep isn't a habit. Doing it again on Tuesday, still not a habit. You can do it all week and still wouldn't consider it to be a habit. But some of you have been hitting the snooze button now for years. And somewhere along the way, it became a habit. It is something that is now driving you so that when the alarm goes off, it's a trigger in your brain that says, do something. In this case, hit the snooze button. In other areas of life, it might be something that is a little bit more significant. You've got the trigger, and it triggers a behavior that we automatically act on, and we do our thing, and there's some sort of response there. Dr. Samuel Johnson said this on this topic, habits are chains that are too small to be felt until they're too strong to be broken. They just sort of start to develop little by little by little by little until all of a sudden they've got a hold. They've got us in their grip. Now, we think that some negative habits won't catch us off guard because they're just so obvious. Certainly no one would fall into the bad habit of smoking or abusing drugs or alcohol or overeating or foul language or owning a cat. I mean, nobody would fall into those traps because it's so obvious that those would be bad habits. Those would not be good for you. Yet all sorts of people are in those traps. So imagine how insidious it is, how it can grab us if the things aren't quite so obvious as 
those like massaging the truth or getting angry or gossiping or being stingy or blaming others or, or lust or procrastination. These and other things have the power to enslave us without us even realizing it. And they can take us down a path that is detrimental to us. And sometimes we wake up to that and we recognize exactly what the Apostle Paul was saying when he said, he wrote, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Fallen into this trap, into this behavior, into these habits or what has happened. Now, it would be good if we realize where we are when that's happening and that we would be able to establish a new path to a different future you. Unfortunately, that's rarely what we do. That's rarely how we handle it. What we typically do is we deny or we justify the place where we are, the circumstance that we're in. And there are a lot of different ways that we can do that, but one particularly insidious way that we do is in the face of our gossiping or in the face of our procrastination, we say something like, I'm sorry, but it's just who I am. You might even say it with a little bit of humility. It might sound like you're maybe even confessing it just a little bit, but what you're really doing is you're making this bold justification for your behavior and you're making the declaration, I'm going to continue to do it. After all, it's just who I am. It's kind of a modern version of the devil made me do it, but the devil didn't make you do it. A habit made you do it. It was predictable. You could know that that's coming about. So we need to open our eyes and recognize what those habits are, what those behaviors are, what those patterns are that are present in our life that are leaving it, leading us predictably to an outcome, predictably leading us to a future you. And if we want that to be the best place, the best you it can be, then we need to, again, do this evaluation. Very important. I've heard it said like this. You might try to excuse your tardiness at work, or for other commitments by saying, well, you know what, I'm just not a morning person. But that's not the problem. The problem is that you have staying up late habits. Or you might say that you're just not a good student. No, you just have bad study habits. You might say, trying to dismiss it, that your life is just too busy. No, you really just have bad priority-setting habits. You see, it's all very predictable. The bottom line is that you're not a victim of your circumstances. You're a product of your habits. That's absolutely true. And here's the thing you need to know. You're teaching your habits to people around you. And if you have kids, they're the best students of all. They're picking up on your habits, and they're likely to make them their own. Your habits are teaching your kids how to treat their future spouse, how to talk when they're angry, how to use alcohol, how to decide what to do with their money and with their time, how to prioritize going to church, how to choose relationships, and on and on. And I'm not being negative about that because all of those things can be positive influences also. And I pray that that would be, but we need to recognize that our behaviors, our habits, are not just influencing us. It goes much broader than that. Now, one other way that habits are powerful is because we have this idea that you can just wish something to be true, and it is. But it's not. Because just wishing something to be true doesn't bring it about. 
This is what we've been talking about in these weeks in this series, that if we want to have a certain outcome, if we want to be a certain person, there are intentional steps that we need to take, but just desiring to be at that place, just having that as, as an impetus, as some sort of wish on our part, doesn't make it happen. Oftentimes we think that. If I just, if I just learn something, if I just gain the knowledge, then I will have that as something that is present and influential in my life, but it doesn't work that way at all. Now, that doesn't mean that we're just stuck in the negative, challenging habits that we might have. Paul makes that very clear when he wrote this, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out, a way out so that you can endure it. Sometimes we think of this way out as a miraculous intervention that God is just going to provide in some unique way. I'm stuck in this temptation, and God's just going to come in. He's going to pluck me out of it, and that's going to be that. Or maybe sometimes it's about moral fortitude that you might have, and God can use those sorts of circumstances. But could it also be that the way out that God is providing is for you to recognize where you're getting sucked in and establishing a behavior, a pattern, a habit that will take you in a direction that is actually moving you away from the temptation instead of toward the temptation, instead of into it? I think that very much could be the case. Willpower is crucial, yes, but habits are more predictable. Habits, interestingly enough, are also more reliable. So it leads us to naturally ask the last of these questions, and that is, how do you develop healthy habits? Well, the first step to developing healthy habits is just to have an honest assessment. You need to ask yourself, what are those things that are leading me? directing me, guiding me, sometimes without me even really recognizing, to step back and do that sort of evaluation in your own life. As we said, habits can be hard to recognize in ourselves, and so they can be difficult to do that assessment. You might have, if you have somebody that you really trust in your life, strong relationship there, that you would go to them and you would ask them, would you please help me know what my bad habits are? Or, if you want to get rid of a relationship with someone you don't trust that much, just start to tell them the bad habits you see in them. And that'll just end that relationship right away, all right? But for yourself here, do an honest evaluation and admit where you need to grow. Then decide that you're going to do something about it. But understand, again, decisions don't get it done. Decisions, what they do is they point us in a direction. They say, all right, this is where I'm going. This is what I would desire to do. But they don't even put you on the path. They point you in a direction. In order to make that happen, we need to get on the path and we need to take some very intentional steps to go there. Because here's the thing. Knowledge won't change your life. Habits will. It's not just because you know something. It's not just because you learned something. It's not because you came to church and you sat down and you, you opened the scriptures and, and you had an aha moment. That is awesome. That can point you in a direction. But knowledge won't change your life. Habits will. You need to do something with that. And that's what we're trying to drill into here. Change happens when we turn the decision into an action, the action into another action, and the action becomes habit. Now, 
Don't let that lead you to believe that it's just a matter of sufficient willpower. If I work at it hard enough, it'll just happen. The ability to actually change is God power. It's what he does in us. Here's what the scriptures say. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. But even with God's help, godly habits don't appear overnight. They get started one decision at a time. And don't be surprised if as you try to establish some new habit in your life, if it's a little bit of a struggle to get there, to kind of get it off the ground and get, and get running forward. I'm not sure if I've told you this before, but I'm a new grandpa now for the first time. Have I mentioned that? Anybody? Has that come up ever before? I, I don't really remember. Um, but uh, I'm not really one to show pictures, but there's so many people who have said to me out in the lobby, why don't you show us any pictures? So I feel just give the people what they want. All right, so here is a little Mila Kate. This is her. She's about six months now, and so uh, she's just a delight. Now, Mila's not walking yet, but uh, when she decides to walk, I'm sure she'll have it mastered in an hour or two. And it won't be a big deal. But other children don't do it quite that well, right? Other children, when they go to learn to walk, it has to be very intentional. It's kind of stumbling and bumbling, and it takes a while, and, and there's a lot of falling that goes on, and then you have to try it again, and you have to try to do your best. There's a lot of intentionality toward it, and it just takes a while. But eventually, after enough tries and enough effort, it starts to happen little by little, and pretty soon it becomes a little bit more natural. And then eventually one day they just kind of pop up and off they go, and it's like second nature now at that point. Well, that's, that's the thing. That's how habits develop. They can actually be very challenging right at the beginning, right at the start. A little bit of stumbling and bumbling, and you're trying to get it, and you kind of fail, and you kind of fall and then you pick yourself up again and you give it a little bit more effort and eventually you get to the place where it's essentially second nature and it almost just happens itself. You might think of it kind of like a jet plane taking off. It takes a tremendous amount of force, a tremendous amount of energy to get a plane up into the air and up to altitude. But once it gets to altitude, the amount of effort to keep it flying is significantly diminished relatively speaking, to what it took to get it started. And it's the same thing with our habits, spiritually speaking. They can be very difficult to get established, but take heart because once they do, they set you up for a future you that almost cares for itself in, in many respects. Important to know. Now, another key to developing healthy habits is to focus on one at a time. One at a time. I know that you might get inspired to make a change, and, and when you get inspired, it's like, well, I'm just going to do this and this and this and this and this. I'm just going to go after it. This is why more than 90% of New Year's resolutions fail. It's because they're New Year's resolutions, plural. It's like we get all inspired. Yeah, this year I'm going to lose 30 pounds, I'm going to read 20 books, and I'm going to learn to play the tuba. And uh, off you go, and you, you work at it, but pretty soon you kind of, you fail, you struggle, it was just too much to take on. By the end of the year, you've gained 30 pounds, and you look like a tuba. <laughs> it can be challenging if we bite off too much, if we take too much at one time. So you pick one, and you start there. Another tip is that you don't just try to eliminate a bad habit, you replace it with something that is better. 
You don't just make the decision, okay, I'm just going to stop doom-scrolling Instagram and Facebook. I'm going to stop binge-watching Netflix. You can just make that decision and out of willpower, you might do pretty well for two or three days. But then there's this huge vacuum. It's like, well, I need something to do. Why don't I just go back to what I was doing? What you need to do is take something that is more productive, that is healthier, and replace what you're getting rid of so that you might be able to run your way forward. So, what habit should you pick to work on in your life? I really want you to ask that question. What habit do you want to pick to work on in your life? Maybe it's something that you, a habit that you want to get rid of. Maybe it's a different habit you want to take on. But what would that be? I can't actually answer that question for you. That's something you need to answer for yourself. Now, it might be that God has already been prompting you in that regard. This is what it is. This is where you should go. That's awesome. Do that. He might be prompting you to some area of greater moral purity or working on your marriage or getting control of your drinking habits or volunteering or whatever. If, he's, if you feel him leading you in some area, then by all means, start there. Go for that. That's where you ought to be. Or you might want to start with what Charles Duhigg, the author of The Power of Habit, calls keystone habits. This could be very, very helpful. A keystone habit is where you do some particular behavior, some habit that you take on, but that habit doesn't have just a one-to-one benefit. It's like you, you do this one thing and one thing results. What happens is you do the one thing and a lot of different benefits just sort of cascade down from what you have chosen to do. For instance, one keystone habit is exercise. If you exercise, obviously there is the health benefit, you feel better, you get better in shape, but people who exercise also, the studies have shown, have more patience, they have less stress, and they have more productivity at work. It's one of the reasons why companies will actually put gyms into their workplaces. They want to encourage people to work because, or to work out because it makes them more productive. Another one is eating family dinners together. That's a keystone habit. Not only if you eat together as a family multiple times a week, not only is there the benefit of, of building relationships and of enjoying one another's company, on top of that, we're also told that the kids develop better emotional control and they perform better in school. The benefits go beyond the initiating habit. Well, the research has shown that there are also spiritual keystone habits. In fact, there are three primary ones that if we take these on, that they have benefits that go just beyond the one-to-one correlation. One of those is prayer. Prayer is a keystone habit because not only does it influence and impact your relationship together and communication together with God, but those who pray, we're also told, are nicer, more forgiving, more trusting, have greater self-control, and less stress. Prayer cascades down into many benefits. Another keystone habit, spiritually speaking, is Bible reading. 
Bible reading. In addition to gaining greater knowledge about God and his will, it also keeps people from sin, gives direction, trains in righteousness, changes thought patterns. They all cast cascade down just from doing the one behavior, learning the one, or taking on that one habit of reading the Bible. And the third one is actually attending church. One study revealed that those who attend church regularly, that would be essentially every week, are 33% less likely to die over a 20-year period than compared with those who don't attend. This was a study that was actually done And that was the outcome. Even among those who attend occasionally, they're 13% less likely to die over that same 20-year period. Now, I know that totally sounds like a study that a pastor made up, right? I get that. I understand that. But that's not the case. Actually, there's a professor of epidemiology at Harvard. His name's Tyler Vanderweel. He says, religion may be a miracle drug. Just considering all of the evidence and looking at it, that's what he reported in this USA Today article. And health benefits are just part of the benefit of this keystone habit. Studies show that regular churchgoers are less prone to mental illness, are less likely to smoke, abuse drugs and alcohol, they have have higher GPAs, report higher levels of happiness, and even have better sex lives. Get in the car, honey. We're going to church. (laughs) It's like, you haven't been to church in months. I don't care. Get in the car. It's obvious that being intentional about our habits is going to be transformational. But as we pointed out, reworking habits is not easy. And one of the main reasons for that is because none of us have delayed gratification in the top five of our strength finders not delayed gratification. We want it now, but we need to recognize that we're building this life not just for momentary happiness, but for long-term joy, for long-term serving of Jesus. We need to ask ourselves, where is it that we want to go? And how are we going to allow our habits to influence where we're going? That's why you owe it to your future self to examine where you are, And to ask yourself, who is it that I want to be? And how is it that I'm going to get there? And what are doing an honest evaluation of where I am? What are the things that are helping me become that person? And what are the things that are standing in the way of it? So, I'd ask you again, what's your one thing? What's the area where you can grow? Again, it might be helpful to talk to somebody that you trust. Ask them, do I have a blind spot here? Help me to understand. Point it out for me because I want to grow. I want to be set up for a better future you than what I'm set up for today. So what would that be for you? You can't just come to the conclusion, well, I just can't think of anything, so I guess I'm good here. No, we need to honestly ask ourselves, where's the area that we can grow? I'm not telling you you got to take on all of them. Some of you are like, man, I got 10 things. Okay, well, pick one. Where would you start? Maybe it has to do with one of these keystone habits because they filter down, cascade down in so many broad benefits. But whatever it would be for you, if you're concerned for, if you care about 
who you ultimately are becoming. This is essential because a decision today, even though it can be difficult to implement or difficult to get rid of, a decision today is something that you're going to look back on months, years from now, and say, thank you. Thank you for doing something about that. Thank for being, for being serious about that. Because some of you know, because you're dealing today with the outcome of a habit that has been present in your life or was for a time, and you know the pain of it. You know the challenge of it. You know the difficulty that it leaves you with in the moment. So why not set yourself up for the future in such a way that that won't be the case down the road? What you need to do is ask yourself, what is that thing? What is that habit that I need to let go of or take on? And as you're intentionally moving your way there, you'll set up future you for blessing and success. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would open our eyes. That you'd open our eyes to where we are, to how we got here, to the things that are influencing how we're living in the moment, the things that have us on a path that is taking us somewhere. Lord, we want to be intentional about where that path is going. We care about who we are becoming. And Lord, help us to just see with, with future eyes to say, who is it that I want to be? What, what do I want? How do I want to be living? What baggage do I want to be free from? That we might honestly recognize what it is, a behavior, an attitude, a spirit of our heart, whatever it is that we can transform so that we become those people. Lord, open our eyes to where it is you'd have us to be and what it is you'd have us to do. Lord, guide us, lead us, shape us, convict us, Open our eyes. Move us forward to the future you. You desire us to be controlling the habits that are present or that need to be present. Become the people you've shaped us to be, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.